And uh, all right, would you please take the word of God and turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Acts and uh, chapter 27. <clears throat> Acts chapter 27. This is uh, quite a lengthy chapter. There's uh, 44 verses, but as we're dealing here at the tail end of the book of Acts, we find, as I've been mentioning, the Apostle Paul as not in his capacity as a missionary or a church planner or as a preacher, but we find him in his capacity as a Christian. As I mentioned last week, sometimes we read the Bible and we say, well, I'm, I'm not like Abraham and I'm not like Moses or I'm not like David or I'm not like Peter or I'm not like Paul. I don't have a call that is specific to their lives. And, and sometimes if we're not careful, we have a hard time drawing some lessons and some principles from their lives that might help us. We might uh, sense that maybe that they're not human beings like we are. We might tend to think like that. But they were men just like you and I. They had weaknesses. They had struggles. And what I've really enjoyed in the studying of the latter portion of the book of Acts is because Paul... There is no going around. We don't see him in his capacity as a preacher, as an evangelist, as a missionary, as a church planner. We see him in his capacity as a Christian. I remember uh, many years ago my uh, father making a statement that uh, had an impact on me. Uh, Immediately when he said it, he said that um, greater than being known for being a great preacher, I want to be a great Christian. And there is a difference. You can have somebody who has a a gift in the oration to be able to communicate truth. They have a wonderful gift, but they might be a poor Christian. Paul, as we see from his life, was not only a great preacher of the truths of God's Word. And by the way, when I say a great preacher, I don't mean that he was exciting. He said he came in weakness. He was troubled and not in excellency of speech. And we may tend to think of the Apostle Paul in that way, but he, by his own testimony, said he wasn't that great of a preacher. But he knew what the truth was, and he knew how to communicate the truth. But he was not only a wonderful Bible preacher, but he was a wonderful Christian. And part of that is observed here in Acts chapter 27. We've seen that really in Acts 24, 25, and 26, but specifically here again in Acts chapter 27, the chapter is about uh, the Apostle Paul making a journey by boat, and he is headed to Rome. If you remember, he is appealed unto Caesar, and that means that he has to go to Rome. God had given him a promise during that time that no harm would come to him, but that he would indeed go to Rome. And this is his journey to Rome. As we read in this portion of Scripture, we're going to find a number of truths about the Apostle Paul. And I really want us to focus in on the Apostle Paul and his capacity as a Christian and pull out some truths and some principles that might be helpful to us from his life. So if you have your Bibles here in Acts 27, let's stand together. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. If you are able to stand in reverence for God and His Word, Acts 27, beginning in verse 1. And the Word of God says, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. 
And entering into a ship of Adramithium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coasts of Asia, one Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon. Now, the, when you see the word us, Luke evidently is with Paul. He is the one who wrote the book of Acts. When he says us, evidently Luke was with Paul on this journey. He says in verse 3, And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. And when he had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Snidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmone. And hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. And when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them, and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken, of, spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain unto Phoenus, and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete, and lie toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurycliden. And when the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat, which when they had taken up, they used helps undergirding the ship and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksand, strike sail, and so were driven. And we, being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day we lighted the ship, and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, and not have loosed from Crete, and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and, lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. And when the fourteenth night was come, that's a long time, by the way, isn't it? As we were driven up and down in Adria, about midnight, the shipmen deemed that they drew near to some country, 
and sounded and found it twenty fathoms. And when they had gone a little further, they sounded again and found it fifteen fathoms. Then fearing lest we should have fallen upon rocks, they cast four anchors out of the stern and wished for the day. And as the shipmen were about to flee out of the ship when they had let down the boat into the sea under color as though they would have cast anchors out of the foreship, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Except these abide in the ship, we cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut off the ropes of the boat and let her fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the fourteenth day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. Wherefore I pray you to take some meat, for this is for your health. For there shall not an hair fall from the head of any of you. And when he had thus spoken, he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of them all. And when he had broken it, he began to eat. Then were they all of good cheer, and they, all, they also took some meat. And we were in all in the ship two hundred threescore and sixteen souls. I'd like to bring your attention to verse 20. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. I'd like to preach this morning on this subject. A difference maker in a hopeless situation. A difference maker in a hopeless situation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, help us to be instructed in this sense by the life of the Apostle Paul and his conduct. Might we learn from his life by examining our own lives and seeing whether those things that are true in the life of Paul are also true in our own lives. Lord, help us in our own way to be difference makers. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. By all, all accounts, this is uh, an exciting chapter of the Bible. Because we not only find many details about the sea and about a ship here, the, the amount of details is uh, quite compelling. And uh, we could spend a lot of time really talk about how to respond in a storm when you're in a ship. I mean, the principles of sailing throughout this chapter are uh, many uh, that we can certainly learn from them. But as we look at this chapter, I want to really place the emphasis on the life of the Apostle Paul in this set of circumstances. And so what I would like to do here is to lay out the circumstances of this chapter and at the same time lay out the character and the conduct of the Apostle Paul in these circumstances. As I've already emphasized, when we look at this uh, chapter, there is clearly a hopeless situation. When we come to the text here, they uh, are facing this tempest, which is given a name, Eurycliden, and we, in verse 15, 16, 17, and 18, we find the details of what the sailors try to do with the centurions and the soldiers to try to survive this tempest. And the Bible tells us that it reaches a point in this scene as the storm is still going. And by the account of the Bible, we find that it had been 14 days. That's a long time. 
How many of you have been on a boat and got uh, seasick on a boat? Any, anybody get seasick? Okay, several of you. I remember going on a boat and I was with my father-in-law and uh, the sea was quite, uh, quite boisterous. It wasn't a, a, a tempest, but it was boisterous enough to, for him to get sick and to go uh, overboard. And I'm, I'm going to spare you the details. Uh, but the point is, that was just a few hours. This is a scene for 14 days. As a matter of fact, so much effort was given in that time that the Bible says that nobody had eaten anything for that period of time. And they come to this point in this account when all hope that they should be saved, the Bible says, was taken away. And so we come to this scene where there is no hope. Uh, you think of the efforts that they put into saving the ship. You think about the effort that they put into saving the cargo, the effort that they put in saving their own lives. And they come to this point in this account when everybody recognizes at that moment that there is absolutely no hope. And what that meant in this account is everybody's going to die. That's it. It's the end of our lives, and everybody gets to that point. And aboard that ship, that is hopeless, there is a man aboard that ship. His name is Paul, and he makes all the difference. He makes all the difference. I think of this account, and I'm thinking we, we are here in this account, aboard this ship, because Paul is there. I want you to think about maybe this account that we might not know it, but we think about this account. Let's think about this account with, in this perspective. Let's think about Paul not being here. Paul is not aboard that ship. Paul is, is not a prisoner. He, he is not able to speak to them. He is not able to, in a sense, give counsel and guidance aboard that ship to basically save every single one of their lives. We might even see it this way. Were it not for Paul... All of those men would have died aboard that ship. But because Paul was there, he made a difference in a hopeless situation. As we focus on our text, I would like to first consider uh, the Apostle Paul here in really his imprisonment. He is a prisoner. As we see in this text, it might not seem like it is, but he is a prisoner. He is being escorted uh, by Roman soldiers. He is on his way to Rome. And this is the description of the account of his journey going over uh, to Rome. But I would like to notice several things about the Apostle Paul in this account. First of all, we are made aware of the confidence that the soldiers, the Roman soldiers had in the Apostle Paul, uh, in his character... They trusted him. They had complete confidence in the Apostle Paul as a prisoner. Now, if we think about the dynamics of those days, we might think it uh, as nothing. But this is, in those days, this was uh, quite compelling to think about the confidence that those soldiers had in Paul. Notice with me verse 3. When the Bible says they come to Sidon, and verse 3 tells us, And Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him, Paul, liberty to go unto his friends and to refresh himself. Now, uh, the Bible says they're in Sidon. So evidently, Paul knew some believers in Sidon. And here the Bible says that Julius, the Roman centurion, 
gives Paul the freedom, the liberty to go to his friend. Let me remind you, he's a prisoner. This shows us something about Julius and his confidence and the confidence that he had in the apostle Paul, in his character, in his trustworthiness, in his truthfulness. Let me put it in perspective as we think about soldiers at that day. When a soldier was given the charge to carry a prisoner from this location to this location, in this case from Jerusalem to Rome, if the centurion failed in that duty, he himself was to be put to death. We have an example of that. You remember when Paul was in Philippi, they were in prison in Philippi, unjustly imprisoned, but there was an earthquake and the gates were opened, the chains fell off, and uh, they could have uh, gone out and been free, but they didn't do so. They remained in their prison and all the prisoners as well. But you remember what the prison guard was about to do when he realized that the doors were open, the earthquake had opened the doors and that the prisoner were gone. He was about to fall on his sword. Why? Because he knew that that was the doom that he would meet. He knew that as a soldier, if he had failed to keep charge of all of his prisoners, according to Roman um, military code, he would lose his own life. And so he was going to take it himself. And so notice Julius, we learned something not just about Julius, but really we learned something about the Apostle Paul, that Julius would have so much confidence in Paul that he would let him be at liberty to go to refresh himself to, among his friends, Uh, and to even give him an opportunity to run away. But Julius had complete confidence in the Apostle Paul. He had so much confidence that he placed his own life in the hand of the Apostle Paul. Now, isn't that what is supposed to be the definition of Christian character? Isn't that what ought to be something that defines our own lives as Christians? That wherever we interact, wherever we are, that people, when they look at our lives, they well, that person there, that is a Christian. They ought to say, I have complete confidence in that person. Unfortunately, it's not so today. I remember throughout the years as we've looked at uh, buildings and things like that and leasing and purchasing and all those things, and I've come in contact with realtors it's sad to say that often I say, hey, we're a church looking to, for a building. And they say something like, oh, we don't rent to churches. And I say, well, why not? And here's what they say every time. They don't pay their bills. I thought, that is a shame. That is a shame that those who would identify themselves as Christians, that the world, those who are unregenerate, would have no confidence in those who claim to know the Lord. But not so for Paul. What a good example for us in his character and his life. And by the way, this is not uh, the character of Paul. I'm saying this not because of what Paul glorifying himself and talking about how great a uh, character he has. We're talking about the confidence that a man who barely knows Paul places in the life of the Apostle Paul. Uh, We think about those, remember in chapter 26 when Paul gave his testimony before King Agrippa, the Bible says there was a number of uh, captains from the soldiers of the Roman army who were listening in on the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Can you imagine somewhere along the line what Paul said, what Paul, how Paul conducted himself, gave absolute confidence in who he was and his character. And might we as Christians always be known 
for being people of character that people can trust and have confidence in. We not only see his character, which is clearly laid out throughout this whole chapter, but particularly in chapter 3, but we also notice several things about the Apostle Paul. And really what we find is that Paul uh, did not live by impulse or by the flesh. And this really comes out in this chapter in this sense. Paul, in this chapter we've read, Every once in a while, he stands up and he speaks up. He says something at the opportune time. When the opportunity presents itself, he's going to stand up and and say something. And so what we find here, in those specific instances where he speaks up, we find his composure, his conduct. And I think this is a great example for us as we conduct our lives as we examine our own responses to circumstances. And by the way, circumstances are are just that. They reveal our character. So instead of looking down on circumstances and saying, I I wish those circumstances were, were gone, let's ask ourselves, Lord, what are you teaching me about myself in those circumstances? That's what we must learn. Because circumstances do that. They teach us something about ourselves. I, I've said this before, but my wife and I, when we got married, we, we, we were free of children. We didn't have children. And I've said this to my wife before, you know, we, we would joke and, uh, in a light-hearted way. We would say, we thought we were pretty good Christians until we had children. But the truth is, that's not true. You see, the Issues that we have found maybe in our reactions and our lack of patience, that was always there. But now that we have children, they reveal something about ourselves. And so instead of looking at our children and saying, well, what's wrong with you? I have to say, what's wrong with me? Because God has given me children to teach me something about myself. See, circumstances often do that. They teach something about ourselves. They, they, they show us what needs to be worked on. Uh, they show us where we have flaws. And here the Apostle Paul, as he conducts his, his, himself, we find some, uh, uh, his composure is quite compelling. Let's go to, uh, with me to verse 9. We read about their journey. So they're heading over to Rome, but they're going to do this in different stages. And the Bible says, well, let, let's look at... Um, Verse 7, And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Nidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmone. And hardly passing, it came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunto was the city of Lycia. Uh, now, when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them, and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the Latian ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken of by Paul. Uh, The first thing we learn here, by the way, the apostle Paul has experienced sailing. He has been on a number of missionary journeys already. He knows when is the best time of year to travel and when there is, it's not a good time to travel. And evidently, now that the fast was already passed, Paul knew at that time it was common sense among sailors that it is not a good time to sail. Here is when the time of year, just like you think about 
when is the time for hurricanes in Florida? It's around September and October. And you kind of know every year around that time of year. And it was the same at that time around the Mediterranean where you would have tempest. Here you have Euryclidon. And they would name those tempests. That's how severe they were. And he knows this is not a good time to sail. Now, there is no tempest right now. But Paul says, if we go out, there is a danger. There is a danger on all of our lives. Now, let me remind you, who is Paul? He is a prisoner. He doesn't have to say anything. He is coming along. He is not the captain of the ship. He is not in charge of the soldiers. He is coming along as a prisoner. But yet, in this moment, he admonishes them. By the way, what he says here is quite truthful. It was a dangerous time for them to sail. They ought not to have sailed. The, the Bible tells us even that the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken of by Paul. So you can see on the ship, they're about to sail. The, Paul is seeing, he's hearing, they're about to take uh, the journey. And Paul hears and he says, uh, it's not a good time to sail. And there's a debate going on. The master and the owner of the ship says, no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And Paul says, no, it's not. There's the potential of us losing uh, the ship, losing the cargo, and losing our own lives. By the way, we're going to find that to be true. But the point, you see what Paul does? He admonishes them. He could have said at that point, well, it's none of my business, I'm a prisoner. Why did he speak up? Notice, he spoke up because he cared for their lives. There's the potential if they go on this trip that everybody loses their lives. And so he has enough compassion for them to say something to them. You know, I think we have to realize that as Christians, we are instructed from the Word of God to speak the truth. Now here, when Paul is saying here, he, he's not uh, given, if you would, a, a Bible truth, but he is speaking the truth. He's not saying a tempest will come. He's saying it's the potential. This could happen. He is speaking the truth, and we might even say he is speaking common sense. Something that is lacking in our world today is common sense. Uh, just simply speaking the truth, and as Christians, we have been given this responsibility to admonish those who need to be admonished and to take that opportunity as Paul took. Notice, he's not preaching to them. He's not preaching the gospel. He's just simply stating the truth. As Christians, we might be afraid today to say, well, a woman is a woman and a man is a man. That's the truth. And we might be fearful to say that when we are in a certain audience and in a certain groups of people. But can I say, we must always admonish and speak the truth. And we can do so with compassion. Why? Because we care for them. Silence. Silence. Here, if Paul had been silenced, we could say to Paul, Paul, do you not care for their souls? Of course he did. That's why he said something. You see, silence often in our lives is the evidence that there is no compassion. That's not the composer of Paul. He spoke up even though he had no business speaking up. It was not his place. He's not a centurion. He is not a master or an owner of the ship. He is a prisoner, but he admonishes them. He speaks the truth. He, he noticed as we continue to read the account, they decide to go, they sail, and the Bible says that Euryclion comes along, and Euryclion is, is um, a, a great wind. Uh, at the end of verse 15, they lost control of the ship. The Bible says, um, 
When the ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. So the ship was, in a sense, left to itself. So when they were holding the ship, holding the sails, what would happen is if they put too much effort in holding those things together, it could break. And so they thought the best thing we could do is just to put everything down and let the ship drive. Just let it do its thing so that there's not this resistance uh, against the ocean and the power of Euryclidon. And they go on to say they uh, ran under a certain island which is called Clauda and they had much work to come by the boat. When they had taken, they used helps undergirding the ship, fearing lest they should fall into the quickstand, strike sail, and so were driven. So they come really near a coast, but they're afraid because of the rocks. So they're trying to now correct course, lest they crash into the wind and die. They go on to say in verse 18, And we being exceeding tossed with the tempest, the next day they lighted the ship. And so now the next thing they do is they try to light the cargo and not to bring down the ship to make it lighter and so that it can sail easier through the sea. So notice they do all those things in order to survive. Survive the storm. They're on day 3, verse 19. We cast out from our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. And uh, we look at the, all this storm, and uh, my, my, my impulse at this time is to say, well, he told you so. Right? I told you this would happen. Verse 21, here is an introspection to Paul's composure. By the way, when we read this account, just so we have this in our understanding, the tempest never stops. It goes on where day three here goes on for 14 days. When Paul speaks here, notice the tempest is not gone. It's still raging. But he's going to speak. And notice verse 21, but after long abstinence. What is that? Restraint. <laughs> There's a balance in the life of the Apostle Paul in this chapter. There's times when he speaks up and there's times when he just restrains himself. He has restrained himself here for quite a bit of time. It's been at least three days. By the way, any time during that three days he could have said, told you. I said this would happen. He abstained himself for a long time. As Christians, there are times when we just have to abstain ourselves from saying anything. You know, often living by impulse is a sign of poor character. And here, no doubt, Paul could have uh, have this... You know, sometimes we're, we're right, but the way we're right is not good. I told you... You know, children do that all the time. I told you so, na 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 Adults sometimes do the same. After long absence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them in verse uh, 21 and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from creed and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. The storm is still going on. And Paul says, Hey, everybody, it's time to be happy. Why? Why uh, be happy? There shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. So here's what he says. The ship is going to crash. It's going to sink. But everybody's life is going to be saved. 
For there stood by me this night, verse 23, the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Here's why he can be of good cheer, because he says this, I believe God. So evidently, we're not privy to what God told him that night, but evidently God told him and says, Hey, everybody's gonna, life is going to be preserved. The ship is going to sink. The cargo is going to be lost. But all lives will be preserved. That's what God told Paul. And so now Paul stands before this group of people who he has been right that they ought not to sell. And he says, I want you to know, you can be of good cheer because here's why. I believe God. I believe what God says. What is that? You see, that's, that's faith. Faith. He's looking to the Lord. He has confidence in what God says. And as Christians, when we speak, we ought to speak in faith. What's going to happen with, with the world, with, the, with our country? Have faith in God. Well, well what about this? And, and what about this? Speak in faith. C can I encourage you to maybe look in this account in a different way? If we put ourselves in Paul's shoes, let me uh, put it in the negative way of his response. It's been three days. Nobody's ate or slept. The cargo has been lost. They almost crashed against an island. And now Paul says, well, I've been silent for long enough, but I told you that if we go, we'd lose the cargo, we'd lose the ship, we'd lose our lives, and here it's over. And you all know you've tried everything, and now it's gone, all hope is gone, and that's it. We're all going to die. It's your fault. He could have said that. In those circumstances, the storm is not done. All hope is gone. It's a hopeless situation. You all, you, do, do we realize that the only people in the world today who have any hope are Christians? Who else in the world has hope? Something that when this life is done, you go on the ground, that's it. There is no hope to that. Some people think about their lives in the temporal now and they think, oh, well, well, the direction of our country, what if this happens? And, and they have no hope. But the Christian doesn't live that way. The Christian can have hope even though his circumstances say it's a hopeless situation. He speaks in faith and says, I believe God. I want you to know that you also can be of good cheer because I believe what God has said. And in a sense today, we don't have the same vision that Paul had aboard that ship, but we have the Word of God. And we can do the exact same thing to a world that has no hope. Says, I want you to know that you can be of good cheer because I believe God. Namely, we could say that when it comes to the preaching of the gospel, there is no hope. What happens after I die? Well, let me tell you what happens after you die. And let me tell you how you can have your sins forgiven. There is hope in a hopeless situation. And so... He speaks in faith. We also see a little later, <clears throat> it's been 14 days now, and verse 33 says, And while the day was coming on, Paul besought them all to take meat, saying, This day is the 14th day that ye have tarried and continued fasting, having taken nothing. And so basically Paul is going to encourage them to eat. Well, what's going to happen? They're all going to jump ship. They need the strength to get to shore. The boat's going to crash. The... Um, the cargo is going to be lost. 
But all of them need the strength to get to shore. So he said, all right, let's pause. Now the storm is still going on. It's been 14 days. The storm is still going on. And here he speaks up. And notice, I, I want you to know, in no, no fas uh, facets of this account is Paul preaching the gospel. He is just being a Christian. That's what he is being right now. And he said, hey, you, you all need to, we all need to eat. It's been 14 days. Our bodies are weak. It's been a long time. I mean, we... we, we don't eat for a day, we get cranky. Can you imagine for 14 days? Physical, mental exhaustion? He says, let's eat. And notice, Paul even, in that moment, while the storm is going on, he thanks God for the food in, the fr in front of everybody. No, he's not preaching the gospel to them, but just that act of saying, God, thank you. I would imagine Paul would say, God, thank you that you're going to preserve all of our lives. Thank you for this storm. Thank you for, for this bread that we have to eat in the midst of this storm. God, we thank you. That impact in their lives, that impact in their lives, oh, the composure of Paul, how commendable his composure, how exemplary his composure. I, I, I want to think about the life of those who are aboard that ship. The Bible tells us how many were aboard that ship. What would you, what would be your mindset when you would, as a soldier, as a sailor, when you would leave that ship and maybe after months of traveling, finally get home? What would you talk about? Well, you talk about the storm. You talk about how there's a man who says we shouldn't sail and sure enough, because of the storm, and sure enough, a storm came and we lost our hope. And, but then he said, that man said that all of our lives would be preserved. The ship would be gone. The, uh, lo uh, the loading would be gone. And, and, but yet he said that our lives would be preserved. God told him that. And he said he believed God. And, and sure enough, uh, uh, then he, he gathered all of us together. And uh, he gave us uh, food to eat. And then we, we prayed. He prayed for the food. And, and sure enough, then we, we all got to shore. You wouldn't believe what happened. Could you imagine the impact of the testimony and the character of Paul in the lives of all those who are aboard that ship on that day. Who has had greater impact in the lives of those aboard that ship? Was it the owner of the ship, the captain of the ship, the centurion? Absolutely not. It was Paul. Paul. I think I'm reminded of this account. When you look at what was done back in verse uh, 14 through 20, you see all that the sailors tried to do, right? You, you find all of the mechanism that they knew to do in a storm. They did all those things. And they came to the conclusion, there's no hope. We've, we've tried everything. You think of the soldiers. They probably were involved in helping, weren't they? You think, well, this is about life preservation. This is serious. We're going to do everything we can to help the situation. And so we might say that the, both the sailors and the soldiers, the sailors who were trained to do what they ought to do in that situation, the soldiers who were valiant, powerful uh, men who could fight, who weren't afraid of a battle. And now those two groups of people aboard that ship, both the sailors and the soldiers, there is no hope for any of them. But there is somebody aboard that ship that's different. He may not have the training of the sailors. He may not have the training of the soldiers. But he has faith in God. And that man makes all the difference in the world.
You know, we have a world that prides in those who are have higher education and there's nothing wrong with higher education there's people that need to be educated that need to be trained in a certain field and that's that's a wonderful thing I, i'm thankful we're talking about this week at camp uh pilots uh flying through the i'm glad they're trained <laughs> praise the lord they need to be trained they need to know what they're doing but who is to be the greatest impact in the world is it those who are educated and trained or those who simply have a simple faith in God and who make all the difference in a hopeless situation. I think of John Harper. I spoke of him last week. John Harper was a Baptist preacher who was aboard the Titanic. When the Titanic was uh, struck uh, by the iceberg, it began to fill really rapidly and the water began to engulf the ship. And John Harper, knowing the gospel, knowing his Lord, knowing that if he died on that day, he'd have a home in heaven because of Jesus Christ, spent his time not trying to preserve and to save his own life, but he spent his last moments dying preaching the gospel. Telling people everywhere aboard that ship, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And then when the uh, ship went under, and when John Harper was swimming in the freezing water, about to die in his dying words, he called on people to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. A man in a hopeless situation making all the difference in the world. I wonder how many people were dying on those, uh, uh, those things that were from the ship, just floating there in the ocean, hearing a man speak. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. In a hopeless situation. But I want you to notice one more thing. The circumstances of what happened, the Bible says in verse 37, we were in all in the ship 203 score and 16 souls. 276 people aboard that ship. Not one soul died that day. Verse 38, when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship and cast out the wheat into the sea. And when it was day, they knew not the land but they discovered a certain creek with a shore into the which they were minded if, they were, if it were possible to thrust in the ship. And when they had taken up the anchors, they committed themselves unto the sea and loosed the rudder bands and hoisted up the mainsail to the wind and made toward shore. And falling into the place where two seas met, they ran the ship aground and the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the way. So there it is. The ship goes. It's broken. Can't go anywhere. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners. Well, you know why they want to do that. If the prisoners escape, they lose their lives. So he says, let's just kill them now. So we, we don't have to be in fear of our own lives. Lest any of them should swim out and escape. Verse 43. But the centurion, willing to save who? Paul. The man who made all the difference in a hopeless situation kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and go get to land and the rest some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship and so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. As I'm reminded at no time during that period did the wind cease. The only thing that made a difference in those circumstances was one man, Paul. 
a man of great character and a man of great composure who made all the difference in a hopeless situation. If you notice, what changed? The storm didn't change. The circumstances didn't change. But Paul made a difference. You know, sometimes we look in our lives and say, well, I, I, I can't make a difference in this world. Oh, yes, you can. It might not be the difference that you think, but you can make all the difference in a hopeless situation. Paul did. What an example for us as we examine our own lives. And I want to encourage you, when you deal with difficulties in your life, people are watching. They're looking at your life. You claim to be a Christian? How are you conducting yourself in those circumstances? And we might think that nobody is watching, nobody is observing, but people are. I would venture to say that all the people aboard that ship would one day go home if they had families and tell their families what happened, how one man made a difference in their lives.